Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc, Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transport a deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Wyke is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. With that song, it's time for another awesomely exciting episode of Trek Talking and Beyond. I'm your most excellent host. Uncle Jim, and I'm up here in lovely Rutland, Vermont, and with me as usual are my co-hosts. We'll start out with Charles. He's out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? Uh, I'm doing all right. I've been bugging the fact that Mother Nature doesn't re- hasn't looked at the calendar. We're still sitting in the 90s. <sighs> Well, Mother Nature's been pretty good to us here. I can't complain about her too much. Too much. Got the windows open. There's a nice breeze blowing. It's about mid-70. I can't really complain too much. Uh, We also have with me my other most excellent co-host, Eric. And Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing pretty good. It it is a beautiful day in Portland. Uh, We're in the 70s, nice and cool here. Sorry for, for your 90s, Charles. It, you really need some relief down there, guys, and you need some rain. So yeah. I, I got my fingers crossed you for Las Vegas. Be- I know it's been a long time. Oh, it's we're on record. I think you set we're a record. The, we set a record. We've got we're the uh, tied with the driest monsoon season. The record Ooh. dated back to somewhere in the 1940s. Well, I hope you get it, and it is uh, fortunately looking good here in Portland, and I am ready to talk some Trek. Yes, we do have some Trek to talk about. So listen, guys, we are going to be live with you for the next couple of hours. As always, our phone lines will be open. Our phone number is 646-668-2433. I'm still holding on to that Star Trek, the original series, season three, Blu-ray set. I would love to give it away to somebody, but you got to give us a call and sing our theme song for us, and I will drop it in the mail and send it off to you, 646-668-2433. And even if you're not listening to us live, if you're listening to us on Stitcher or iHeartRadio or iTunes or any other um, venue, all you need to do is call us the following Thursday at 646-668-2433 or shoot us a message and say, hey, did someone win the uh, DVD? And if, if the answer is no, you give us a call and if you can correctly sing this song, I will drop it in the mail and send it to you. So please, by all means, do that. So we have a great, great show planned for you guys tonight on this excitingly thrilling episode of Trek Talk. And we're going to break down and discuss episode 
9 of Star Trek Lower Decks Crisis Point. Mariner repurposes Boimler's holodeck program to cast herself as the villain in a Lower Decks style movie. Dun, 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 dun. Keyword, movie. And we'll talk a lot about that a little bit later. Um, Jonathan Frakes talked a little bit about Discovery Season 3, Picard Season 2, and Star Trek Strange New World. Uh, Discovery Season 1 aired on CBS television last Thursday. And, of course, tonight at 10 o'clock, Episode 2, will be on Battle of the Binary Star, so you guys can tune in and check that out. We also have Star Trek Birthdays, Star Trek News, and fan shout out. So we have a lot planned for you guys. Just remember, we talk about Star Trek Lower Decks at the end of the show. That's to give everybody a chance to get home, have some dinner, get a pizza, whatever. Sit back, relax, listen to us Trekheads talk, and then give us a call and talk about Lower Decks. So that's what we have planned for you guys. And let's see, what else? Yeah, please head over to Facebook and follow us over there at Truck Talking and Beyond. Just spell that all out at Facebook, and you can take place in all of our questions. We used to do polls, but now the new Facebook stinks, and we can't. But at any rate, you can still become a member of our Trek Talking family. We would love to have you. Uh, we have, we're closing in on 28,000 downloads globally, which is awesome. We're just a tiny bit away. Well, we'll probably make that by next week, I hope. And uh, we have over 20,000 followers on Facebook, and we're, we're, we're closing in on 21,000 there, too. So thank you to everybody. Uh, let me see. What else do I want to throw? Yeah, we can always use your help at our Patreon page. All it takes is a dollar and a dream. We have other tiers there, but really a dollar with 20,000 followers, a dollar is not asking much. So head over to patreon.com backslash truck talking and help us out in any way you can. We really appreciate anything. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the show over to Eric and Eric is going to go around the globe. Eric. Woo. Around the globe we go. And of course uh, we broadcast out of the United States. So most of our listeners are from there, but we always like to talk about who's number one internationally. So, Lots of movement this week, guys, uh, in our new number one spot. That's right, new number one spot, the U.K. That's right, the United Kingdom now has the most international downloads of Trek Talking and Beyond at 3.75% of our listeners. So thank you so much, everyone in the U.K., for being on top. That's fantastic. Uh, we love you guys, and it's cool to have a new number one up here. Not only that, we have a new number two. Right next door to the UK, we have Ireland coming in at 3.49% of our listeners. So apparently uh, our show appeals to folks from that part of the world. Thank you so much for listening to Ireland and the UK. In our number three slot holding steady is Australia, down under, at 3.43% of our listeners. Rising, rising ever to the top. We have a new number four this week, folks. Norway. That's right. The ghost from just a few months ago has now come into and is starting to make moves, moving up to number four, 2.26% of our listeners. And in our number five slot, just barely hanging on, are our Canadian brothers and sisters with 2.25% of our listeners. Thank you so much, everyone inside and outside the United States who listens to us. We love you all. And, uh, you know, 
You're the reason we do this. Jim, Yeah. away. And hopefully when the COVID thing is, you know, settled down and GM Chris can get back on a normal schedule and he can join us, fully having our Canadian brother on with us uh, will entice a lot more of these Canadians to join in and maybe Canada can rise back up to number one where they were for years. So we can only years. Hope. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. They Canada was number one for, 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 for years for the longest time. But um, yeah, I think since GM Chris, since COVID and GM Chris hasn't been with us, uh, Canada has been dropping. So let's hope that GM Chris can join us and pull Canada right back up. So, we used to do a thing called new listeners and we decided rather than doing new listeners, since we do the global numbers anyways, that it'd be a lot more fun and a lot more personal if we do individual listeners from individual places, just to give our fans a shout out on the radio. So that's what we're, that's what we do in this section of the show. It's called fan shout outs. If you see a heart next to your name on the truck talking page, if when it says, where are you from? That means that, I've chosen you, and you'll be mentioned on the show. So if you ever want to know, just go there and check it out. And if you see the heart there, that means you're going to be on the show. So, Eric, why don't you continue on with our fan shout-outs? Absolutely. Our first fan shout-out this week goes to Tatjana Sumik from Eberstadt, Germany. Thank you so much for listening to us. And, uh, man, Germany, I love that country. So cool out there. Thank you, Tatjana, for saying hey to us. Hello, and thank you for listening to Kiko Barazin from Croatia. Also, thank you to James J. Drymiller from Costa Rica. Hello, and thank you for listening to Reza H. Alashimi from Shiraz, Iran. That's awesome. And hello, and thank you also to Richard Munson from right here in the United States in Oklahoma. Charles, who else is listening and to us? Eric, I do, and Charles, I do believe that that is the first fan shout-out we've ever given to Iran. I don't remember ever a, seeing Iran. Do you guys remember ever seeing Iran on our fan shout-outs? No, I think that's the first one. Yeah, so very cool. Reza, so that, it's so cool is, to have you in our family. So thank you for listening, yeah. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. All righty, Charles, who else is on the, on the uh, docket today? Here we go, Hector Hernandez Angel from Mexico City. Aragon Small from Jeffrey Hills, Florida. Sarah Zondi from Zimbabwe. Myron oh, wow. McGlynn from Scotland. Melissa Shepard from Dugas, Massachusetts. And Julia Del Reyes from Philippines. Wow, all over the place. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we got Africa. I also think, guys, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I also think that is the first person from Zimbabwe that we've ever had on our fan shout-outs as well. That is true. Not our first uh, African country, but our first Zimbabwe. So that's pretty awesome. Hello, Zara Zondi. Yeah, that is awesome, awesome, awesome. And um, I'll wrap out the fan shout-outs with you guys, and then we'll move on to our Star Trek um, birthdays. So we have Tony Dawson from Preston, UK. Thank you for listening, Tony. We have Branda 
Brenda Sanchez from El Paso, Texas. El Paso tacos are awesome. Absolutely awesome. So <laughs> thanks for listening to Brenda. Old El Paso, great, great stuff. Mm-hmm. William L. Boyd from <laughs> Florida right here in the U.S. of A. Thanks for joining us, William. Richard Bukowski from New York City, represent. I love, love, love New York City. Brooklyn is the place where I spent a lot of my summers. Coney Island, going to Shea Stadium to see the Mets. I love New York City. Thanks for listening, Richard. And finally, uh, um, we have Gina, Gina Lugo Del Marto, the Martino. I'm gonna Martino. go. I'm gonna go with Gianluigi Del Martino. Yeah, that I like that better. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> From Napoli, Italy. Thank you very much for listening to us, guys. We really appreciate it. You guys are all awesome, and we couldn't do the show without you. So that brings us up to our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, Warp, it's not, but we like it anyways. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with our remembrances for this week? Sure. Uh, man, we have a lot of them this week, guys. Uh, first a person who would have had a birthday this week that we'd like to remember is Michael Dugan, who played the Kalar warrior in the TOS episode, The Cage. He's the, he's the one that has the, uh, you know, the big furry hat on and kind of the, the weird teeth and uh, comes after uh, Pike. So uh, happy birthday to Michael Dugan and uh, what a great performance. We remember you. We're also remembering this week, Richard C. Carmel. Uh, And that is a name with which uh, almost all Star Trek fans should be familiar. He played the original hardcore Fenton Mud from the TOS episodes, I Mud and Mud's Women. And of course we dip always in this show into other canon with the animated series where he played uh, the same role in Mud's Passion. Uh, man, what a cool role. And, and what, a cool, what a role for Rain Wilson to have to follow up and kind of like expand on a little bit too. Uh, just a fascinating yeah. character. So thank you, Rich, or Roger, for everything that you did for that role. Uh, and we miss you. Uh, we're also remembering this week uh, Richard Hurd. And that is also a very familiar name. He played Admiral Paris, uh, Tom Paris's uh, father uh, on Voyager. He also played LaCour in the TNG episode Earthright. Uh, so happy birthday. And, uh, yeah. I wanted to throw in, you guys might also yeah. remember Richard Hurd as John, the, the visitor president from the, from the miniseries yeah. V. Um, and yeah, he was also eventually on, we get um, to see his skin peel up. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a scene. When I was a kid, when that came out and I was watching that and she ripped his face off, I had nightmares about lizards. Yeah. For, for, I mean, that just, <laughs> I watch it now and Tell I laugh, about it. but back then, oh my God, did that, when she yeah. swallowed the whole gerbil, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that TV yeah. show was just pretty. And William uh, Richard Hurd played John, the leader of the visitors as well. So I just wanted to toss that in. Yeah. So happy birthday. 
Uh, also, uh, this week we are remembering Charles McCulley, who played Landru in the TOS episode Return of the Archons. He's the uh, man with the fancy mustache. Uh, he also uh, has secondary role uh, in the TOS episode Wolf in the Fold, playing Prefect Jarrus. So uh, another great actor that we uh, miss from our Star Trek community. Happy birthday and remembrances to William Wyndham, who, of course, played Commander Matt Decker in the TOS episode The Doomsday Machine, one of our, uh, our first kind of crazy commanders we get to see in Star Trek, one of many. I think. Uh, happy birthday and remembrances to Arthur Bernard, who played Appella in the TOS episode Bread and Circuses. And we're also remembering this week Abraham Sofer, who played a Thalasian in the TOS episode Charlie X, and also played Melkotian in uh, Spectre of the Gun. So... Uh, all of those folks uh, who would have had birthdays this week uh, in the Star Trek community who are no longer with us. Happy birthday. Charles, you're up. All right. We have Beth Illusion, who played a star Yar in TNG's Legacy, Tasha Yar's sister or half-sister? Yeah, half-sibling. Sibling, sometimes. Kieran yeah. Maroney, who played Shaw in Enterprise's Fortress Sun, <clears throat> and Ben Zant in TNG's The Outrageous Okana. <laughs> in the you know, is that, it just me, or has that episode been coming up like a lot in the last couple of couple of shows? <laughs> yeah. Well, Does it seem that we all yeah, are heavy. talking about the outrageous Okada? A little bit, yeah. It's kind of funny. I, uh, I just that's why I giggle a little bit when he said that because I thought, I didn't we just talk about that? <laughs> yes, we. Yes, we, we had did. a birthday last week. <laughs> cool. Ah, oh, this one's a fun one. Denise Akuda, mm-hmm. one of the authors of the Star Trek Encyclopedia. Which oh, the Bible. they did a great two they did a great uh, two two book encyclopedia. From what I've heard, good luck finding it. It went to a single printing and sold out quickly. Mm-hmm. Demon Glass played Ben in TS episodes Mud Women. Next to hardcore Benton Mud. And, and this next one, I threw this one in there just for you, Charles. I threw this one in there. I wasn't going to put it in because <laughs> it's not a big role, but I threw it in there just for you. Dad Vinny, who played Bob Briggs in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Now, you remember who that guy was, right? Vaguely. That's the guy that sends the whales away and Jillian goes and gets mad at him and slaps him in the face? Yeah. Got it. That's him. Okay. Got it. But he was from Star Trek IV, and that's Eric's favorite movie. So when I I saw that, I said, we got to mention this for for, uh, Charles because he loves Star Trek IV. So that's why it's not a big role, but it's from Star Trek IV. So I put it in there for you. 
Cool. Natalia Nuglish played Admiral Anaya Nechev in starts uh, in next race. Uh, Admiral Nechev. Antoinette Bauer played Sylvia in the TOS episode Cat's Paw, which we're getting close Not as bad to as you the remember. anniversary of that episode. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Collins, who played Captain Commander William Decker, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah, we have both who our Deckers to be the, birthdays this week. Who's the son of Commander Decker. So, yeah, isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I bet Jim has a few more birthdays. Yes, I do have hmm. a couple of more for you guys to go over. It seems that our, our birthdays uh, just see, keep just piling up on us, but that's okay. Let me see how much time we have left on the clock here. I got a couple minutes. Uh, so we have Carolyn Cava, mm-hmm. who played Dr. Toby Russell in the TNG episode, Ethics. Excellent episode. I used to use that episode for after-school programs at the elementary school, and I'd watch that with kids, and I'd have the kids be one of the actors, each play a character, and explain why that character made the choices that were made in that episode. <clears throat> Tell you what, kids catch on to a lot more stuff than we think they do. So happy birthday to Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Hakuru Tagawa, who played Q's Bailiff in Encounter at Far Point. And I put that in there dong, dong. for a particular reason that yeah. we're going to get to in a minute. Uh, we have Stephen Markey, who played Koval Foth in the TNG episode Allegiance. We have Shay Astar, who played Isabella in the TNG episode Imaginary Friend. We have mm-hmm. Cameron Openmeyer who played Ensign Kellogg in TNG, First Contact, and Generations 41 times. Okay? Did did you hear me? 41 (laughs) times she played that same character, and I bet no one even knows who she is. I looked her up on on IMBD, and it listed every episode that Ensign Kellogg appeared in, 41 and I'm like, wow. Yeah, and okay. And if you've watched TNG, <laughs> you would totally recognize her. She's the she's the other she's kind of the Beverly lookalike, the other redhead in blue uh, on the Enterprise. Yes, and so you you would recognize her face, and she also doubled Beverly as well. So, um, mm-hmm. also this one, good friend of of our friend Leslie Hoffman, who does stunt trucks with me on Sunday. Dennis Danger Madalone, stunt coordinator for TNG, DS9, and Voyager. And finally, Elizabeth Dennehy, Commander Shelby from the TNG episode, Best of Both Worlds. I had her at her very first Star Trek convention up here in upstate New York, and she was awesome. And she was totally blown away by the love that she got from the fans because she thought the fans hated her. And she was like, oh, well, what if they, you know, she didn't want to do the convention. But when she got there, the fans just loved her because Best of Both Worlds is such an awesome episode. So, yeah. happy birthday I think to Elizabeth Dennehy. Yeah. It was a major turnaround yeah, for Star Trek with that episode. I think yeah, that's mm-hmm. when they really started to pick up. 
Well, and I think that people's so, attitude towards Shelby has changed over the years too. I think so, but this was this was way back in like this was 1992, and uh, mm-hmm. it was real early. But they still loved her. She they still really loved her. So the last birthday awesome. that I have to throw out for you guys is a big one. Um, it's not a person. Um, it's a TV show. We want to say happy birthday to TNG. And with that, mm. we're going to take a quick break for our listeners at Odyssey Radio, but we'll be right back after this. We're going to play the original trailer for Encounter at Farpoint. Tonight, the 24th century begins. Welcome to the Enterprise. In a special world premiere movie, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Ready for departure, sir. Engage. 78 years have passed since the days of the original USS Enterprise. Now a new Galaxy Starship has been designed with a new team of highly skilled Federation explorers. Starfleet Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Commander Riker, Executive Officer, Chief Medical Officer Crusher, and her brilliant son, Wesley, Lieutenant Commander Data, an android, the telepathic Troy, Geordi, a man with unique vision, Security Officer Yar, and Klingon Officer Worf. Shields and deflectors up, sir. Go to yellow alert. Their first mission, investigate a new star base on planet Denim 4. Thou art directed to return to thine own solar system immediately. A hostile alien threatens the crew. Now go back, or thou shalt most certainly die. But they're determined to finish their mission. Arm aft photon torpedoes. Place them on ready status. Hostile is now beginning to overtake us, sir. Together, they stand trial before a merciless court. You will now answer to the charge of being a grievously savage race. Now, they have 24 hours to uncover the secrets of a strange world. They're firing on Farpoint, sir. The classic legend begins an all-new adventure. Let's see what's out there. Star Trek, the next generation. And we're back. So I remember watching that trailer and seeing that commercial on TV and I am being so excited. I could not wait to see this new Star Trek. And when you listen to that commercial, mm-hmm. kind of not right because Troy's not a tel is not telepathic. She's empathic. Well, semi, yeah, that's true. That is true. But they're trying to draw you in. And I tell you what, the first time I saw that trailer and he, he said that Android, I was like, there's an Android. That's so cool. I just thought that yeah, was amazing what, to actually have an android serving on the bridge. What sucked me in was Worf, Klingon officer Worf. I'm like, yes, oh, a Klingon on the Enterprise? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I loved it. And Does so happy compute. birthday. <laughs> the Star Trek, the next generation, at counter at Farpoint. Um, I still watch that. You know, people can rag on the first season of TNG, but I just love Encounter Farpoint. It's just it, it, it's just so nostalgic. I remember sitting around. We got a pizza and like eight or nine of my friends crammed into the living room, my little tiny apartment, and we watched it. And back then we had VHS, so I had to put a tape in, recorded it, and then we rewound mm-hmm. it and watched it a second time after it was over. And we just sat there talking mm-hmm. about the ship separating and this and that and this and that. It was Star Trek heaven. So happy birthday yeah. to T and so, without further ado, it's time for Star Trek News. 
Live from our news deck at Trek Talking and Beyond, it's Star Trek News, 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 news. So, as I said at the top of the show, you guys can catch Star Trek Discovery Season 1 on CBS tonight at 10 o'clock, Episode 2, Battle of the Binary Stars. So check that out if you if you haven't already seen it, okay? And also, The Mandalorian Season 2 starts on October 30th, right around the corner. First, we're going to get to Star Trek Discovery. Then we're going to get to Mandalorian Season 2. And we will be covering Mandalorian Season 2 on this show um, on, in our third segment. Our third segment will be Mandalorian. Our fourth segment will be Star Trek Discovery. So you guys want to check that out. So on Star Trek News, all the stuff that we're about to talk about in this next segment, you can find the, the articles in their entirety on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. So if you want to go and read the whole article or see if, in fact, what we're telling you is true or false because you don't believe us or whatever, you can go to our Facebook page and read the entire article. So please, please do that. So the first article, speaking of Star Trek Discovery, um, is start a TV rating. Star Trek Discovery starts low Big Brother tops ABC game shows. CBS reality series um, hung in there to hold off everything to win the Thursday night broadcast ratings race. Thursday night, Big Brother scored a 1.1 rating among adults 18 to 49 and drew just over 4 million total viewers. CBS rounded things off with the broadcast debut of Star Trek Discovery, which didn't exactly set the galaxy alight with a 0 0.2 rating and 1.7 million pairs of eyeballs. Now, I want to say that there's a reason why I mention this. If you listen to the numbers, the number one show had 4 million viewers and had a rating of 1.1. That was the number one show. Okay? And Discovery was quite a bit below that. But this to mention, the haters are going all over this. There's all, you know, because the ratings are so bad. But first of all, this was not was not the debut broadcast of Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery actually premiered Sunday night, September 25th at 8.30 on CBS. Because we had a party over at Freakopolis Geekery, and everyone got together. We had a pizza, and we watched it on September 25th at 8.30. So this technically is not the premiere of Star Trek Discovery on CBS. That's the first thing that I want to mention. Second thing I want to mention is the show is on at 10 o'clock at night. That's the dead spot. That's where they put TOS in its third season to die. That's, that's the graveyard shift. That's the leading into the evening news shift. And I could never watch it if that's when it was on because Thursday night at 10 o'clock, I go to bed right after the show is over because I have to get up at 5 to go to work. So 10 o'clock is not a good time for me to watch any shows. So that's, that's the other thing. And the third thing I want to point out wow. is that Star Trek Discovery Season 1 is three years old. I think that anybody mm -hmm. that really cared enough to watch it has probably already seen it on CBS All Access. And anybody that has CBS All Access mm -hmm. is going to watch it whenever they want and not stay up till 11 o'clock at night on a work night to watch something they can watch anytime. So I think those numbers are a little bit misleading. However, okay. I do 
want to say one thing. I mentioned to you guys earlier that the actual premiere of Star Trek Discovery was Sunday, September 25th at 8.30. Now, do you remember when I told you the number one numbers were 1.1 rating and 4 million viewers? Take a guess at what Star Trek Discovery premiered on September 25th in 2017. Okay? 9.6 million people watched Star Trek Discovery compared to only 4 million for, for Big Brother to be number one. So just about, just over twice as many people watched Star Trek Discovery when it premiered in 2017. And Big Brother scored the number one spot with a rating of 1.1. Star Trek Discovery scored 1.9. So for people to say that Star Trek Discovery is a flop, it's crashing, it's burning, it's, it's, it's overloaded, whatnot, just simply is not true. So okay. um, you guys so want to add anything to that conversation? Yeah. Yes, I do. A couple things to it. 10 o'clock is late for many people. That's why there's actually dual ratings when they can actually track how many people watch it live, how many people put down their DVR. This is also available not only on streaming. Season 1 also went to DVD already. <clears throat> but people then are asking, well, why are we bothering to put Star Trek on TV? Well, one, we have a new season coming up. Two, how many shows are you watching with, how many shows are you enjoying right now with the new season? Wait a minute, what new season? Oh, that's right. Most live shows aren't being filmed right now. We're barely getting some shows, some game shows, and some, some like the net and the interview shows are starting to go. Are starting to go back, coming back. Gee, we had the problem years ago with writer strike. We had the equivalency of a writer strike, except it wasn't the writers that went on strike. It was the studios who shut down. We don't have a lot of live shows. A lot of new shows coming out this season. So why not go ahead and give Star Trek a run on live TV? Because we're not getting a lot of live new shows anyway. Who knows when Big Brother was recorded. And with so few people on studio, yeah, it is sort of a socially distant broadcast. But we're not getting a lot of live new season shows right now because they weren't filmed. That's why Star Trek's given its chance to fit in this spot. It's not out there because they want big ratings. It's because it's a great filler and maybe to get a few more fans. 1.7 fans is still a lot of people to be wanting to see a show like that at 10 o'clock at night. And also... I, I also believe that you guys can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm old and senile, but I seem to remember that we talked about this a year ago, that they said when season three hit, they were planning on putting season one on television, and we talked about that. I think it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think so. Yeah, so this is they were going to do this all along. 
Eric, did you want to add anything before we move on to your segment? No, I just, I'll just double what Charles said. And I think that putting it on TV does serve the double purpose. And hopefully what it does is it does help bring in some more fans for season three, you know, I mean, maybe after people see the first season for free, they'll say, ah, you know, maybe all my him and hon about whether or not the six bucks a month was worth it. It wasn't, you know, maybe I've answered my own question now and I've decided that discovery is worth six bucks a month. I'm sure that's what CBS is banking on. Yeah, I bet you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. So, but I mean, I was just hearing all the negativity flying around, and I just wanted to clarify that with our listeners that Star Trek Discovery did not bomb when it premiered on television. Very, very far from it. So, at any rate, Eric, this next one, this next one is for you. I love this article. This was one of my favorite articles that we posted on our page this week. Uh, this one, the title is Jonathan Frakes on directing Nataro, Del Barrio, Ahala, and a cat in Star Trek Discovery Season 3. We talked a little bit about that cat last week. Uh, so this is an interview that was done start, with Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. I want to point out to something to you guys before Eric starts. This is a long, long, long article and they talk about so much stuff that for me to just pick the best out of it I had to leave so much out just because we don't have time so I highly recommend that you guys go to our Facebook page and read this article because he talks about a lot of stuff that that was just fascinating and interesting that we just couldn't fit into the show so this is just the just you know the, the high points that I thought you guys would be interested in but I highly recommend you head over there and read the article in its entirety because it's fascinating in the words of Mr. Spock. (laughs) Totally, totally agree with you, Jim. So the highlights that we're going to share with you are just kind of the cream of the crop. So the first question he was asked uh, that we're going to talk about is let's talk first about the next thing coming, which is Star Trek Discovery Season 3. As I understand, you did three episodes. He said, yes, I did. I actually actually just rewatched 303 a couple of days ago. Season three, which of course would be the third episode of season three. Season three is really wonderful, by the way. So the first episode is Michael Burnham alone, and she meets Book, who's played by David Ahala. The second episode is the entire crew on Discovery. And the third episode, which is the one I was fortunate enough to get, is their reunion. And it is very heavy on the email. And I think that we sort of predicted that a few weeks ago on our show. We said, oh, yeah, first one's definitely going to be Solo Burnham. Second one's probably the crew, probably a reunite right around episode three. And, and here it is, Frakes is confirming. He was also asked, can you talk through how you approach shooting Discovery? He says, the style of the show is Tunde, uh, who's played by Osu Tsunami, Alex and Kurtzman, myself, Doug, uh, and how do you pronounce his name? Errol Kowski? I'm not Aaron, sure who that is. And all the, yeah, is he a director? I guess he must be. And all the directors are encouraged to shoot to thrill. You are never discouraged to try something, and it's a wonderfully competitive shooting atmosphere. Tunde and I particularly love to create long wonders, fabulous, intricate, complicated. And he's a masterful shooter, and they spared no expense. If you have a legitimate plan, they will get you the toys that, will take, that, takes, uh, that it takes to carry that plan out. It's a very filmmaker-friendly television show. It's great to work on which I think is great because that's a little bit different from the budget strapped days of, of TOS. It sounds like Frakes really feels like they're giving him 
uh, what he needs to make a good episode. They also asked him, season three introduces us to some new characters and new actors. <clears throat> the biggest one would be Book. Can you talk about what it's like working with David? David fell into it so easily, and he's very user-friendly, and there's a great chemistry, chemistry between he and Sinequa. He's got a wonderful on-set demeanor. He's funny. He's physical. He's prepared. He's gorgeous. He's powerful. He works hard, and he's a great heart. He's a movie star, and even with that damn cat on his ship, which is our least favorite new actor. <laughs> I love it. I've never worked with Ian, but I did with Blue. If you talk to Anthony Rapp, who plays Stamets, he and I experienced their first scenes together, and we shared a number of eyebrow-raising looks. Anthony was shadowing me as a director, and obviously he was also in the scenes with Blue. There's a calmness, and they have... Uh, and, and that they have not had for ever having uh, that, excuse me, that they have for not having ever been on a television soundstage before. And that really surprised us. They said, so Alex Kurtzman likes to do experiments with short treks. Which do you, uh, uh, which have you been involved with? He says, I know. I feel like I'm being left out. Ha 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 ha. I loved Calypso from three of my comrades, writer, Michael Chabon, director, uh, Tsunami and the star Aldous Hodge. So that is Freaks' favorite short track. They asked him, have you ever been trapped yet? Or have you been tapped yet for Strange New Worlds to direct? And he said, I don't have an assignment yet on Strange New Worlds. Yet. <laughs> and finally, the last one will... It's uh, a good one. And uh, the last one we'll cover here today for you guys is, does anyone ever actually use the phrase Section 31 show in a serious, we're going to definitely do this fashion with you? And he said, yes, I actually had Byung-Yong Kim and Erica Lippold with me on the ready room with Will Wheaton because they wrote 303 of Discovery and they're very optimistic. But obviously it made sense to the network to do Pike's show before Section 31, and I think that's based on uh, a lot of different issues, mostly, I would say, the fan love of Pike. Uh, it just seems like that kind of grassroots movement of love for Pike when he came on to Discovery really helped propel Strange New Worlds in front of Section 31, that and timing with Discovery and where Giorgio, the character, has to be in that sort of thing. But... Uh, I agree with Jim. This was a fantastic article, guys. You should take the time to read it because it is long, but there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Did you catch Anthony Rapp shadowing him as a director? Uh, there's a couple of little yeah. tidbits in that article like that that might be good teasers to check out. He, he also talks about Star Trek Picard a little bit, and uh, he also talks about the possible return of the Rikers um, in season mm -hmm. two, and uh, th there's a lot of great stuff in it. It's a long, long article, but it's great. Did you get a chance to read it, Charles? And you know what I've really noticed? No, about I his... haven't yet. Oh, yeah. What I was going to say, what I've noticed about the Riker-Troy uh, family is, that, have you guys noticed that sometimes they call it the Riker-Troy family, and sometimes they call it the Troy-Riker family? I think that's kind of cool. It, it feels like it switches back and forth every time I hear it. Yeah, it all depends on who you're talking to. In, in the articles, I've seen it written two different ways in articles. It's like there's not a standard for how they're doing it, which I think is kind of cool, you know, especially because people almost universally agree that that, uh, that Nepenthe was 
probably one of the best episodes of Picard season one in no small part due to uh, Marina's just amazing performance as Troy in that episode. I bawled like a baby. I loved it. It was, (sighs) that was the payoff for the whole series was that episode. Just awesome. So So, uh, Charles, we have an article that I put in here. I was going to, I'm going to do this one for, for Eric, but I figured we always give Eric the Shatner says what episode. What? So I figured it's about time for Charles to do a Shatner says what. So uh, what? Charles, this, this one's all on you. <laughs> Gee, thank you. For... Hey, William Shatner explains why Kirk's series won't happen. But can it? William Shatner is a man of many talents. Away from acting, he also liked to sing and recently discussed his new album, The Blues, which arrives October 2nd with Rolling Stone magazine. During the interview, Shatner touches on reasons why a Captain Kirk series is unlikely. I filmed the commercial yesterday, and it took 12 hours, he said. I got home and fell into bed. I got this morning to do these interviews, and I'm exhausted. I don't know what Patrick is going to is going to do film the way he the way a series takes it out of you. A series is 14 hours a day, and then on the weekends you're probably doing publicity. It's all your time. I'm having a good time, and I have time to ride my horses and pay attention to my family. So I never do another series like that. With his 90th birthday approaching on March of next year, we can certainly understand the reasons for not wanting to do a full series like Picard. It's worth noting through that that this is not the first time he's addressed the possibility of returning to Star Trek. Back in March this year, he had given similar responses to the ones he offered Rolling Stone magazine by saying he would not be returning as Captain Kirk. What was any different from the statement on Kirk is that I haven't said before, I don't do cameos. Kirk's story is well told out of any of the, captains, uh, of the other captain stories. What is really left? Adventures in the Ribbon? If they wrote it and made a reasonable sense, then I'd love to play Kirk again, Shatner said in the interview. I wouldn't do a series, he continued. If the role was written property, properly and it wasn't a cameo or gratuitous, being there just to show my face, I wouldn't do that. Within the new series of the TV, TV shows, there might be a way to go bring Kurt back. But in all honesty, I would imagine that would not, not go down well with the fans and would just like shoehorning as it is to capitalize on bringing Shatner back. There's already rumors that a young Captain Kirk might pop up in the Strange Strange New World series. And we already have stated why we wouldn't want that to happen. But then again, if we bring back Kirk, it will not be William Shatner. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think I see a possibility of a young young Kirk Lieutenant Kirk showing up in the series, 
just as we had a young Lieutenant Spock show up, but a slightly more interpreted character to fit more of the current Star Trek theme instead of the original theme. Yeah, I mean, it could be yeah. more than a scene here or there because, you know, Kirk's obviously not on the Enterprise at this time. He's on a different ship. So they'd have to have some sort of adventure that crossed over with that ship. Of course, depending on exactly what time period we're talking about, he might even be on the planet that we covered in the Drastic Measures book as well. Yeah, I just... It's funny how Shatner keeps flip-flopping constantly on this topic. You know, yeah. he says, absolutely not. Then yeah. maybe he would. Then maybe I won't. Then maybe I would. And it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So I, you know, but, I don't know. You know, he has um, been clear that he has been pretty clear that he doesn't want to come back unless it's a really good story. I feel like that's the through line in all of his flip-flopping. Like, you know, even when he has said, Absolutely not. I feel like there's always been an out for, well, if it was a really good story, I might do it. This was the first time in this article that I heard him say something blatant like, what's left? Adventures in the Ribbon, right? (laughs) Which is kind of what we talked about when we talked about it. If he was to come back, I mean, it would almost have to be an Adventures in the Ribbon sort of of movie or, or, or series if he made a cameo in a series or something. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of funny that uh, the press keeps bringing this up and keeps asking him that question, because I think personally, I have no evidence to back this up, but I have very, I, I doubt very much that CBS Paramount would bring Shatner back to play Kirk again in anything. It just feels like that story has kind of been told. And people are really yeah. into the diversity of Star Trek now, right? With all these new shows, all these new characters, um, they, they want something different. So I think I, I'd like the press to stop asking him questions about it, honestly. Just let the man be. <laughs> well, here's I, just to play devil, devil's advocate and throw, throw the bone out, which we just talked about. Riker and Troy had a cameo on Picard, and it was absolutely breathtakingly, outstandingly fabulous, tear-jerking, best episode of the season, and that was a cameo. They they were only in one episode of the ten, and you know what? Thirty minutes of the forty-five minutes was them, so that was technically a cameo. So if they were to write a cameo like that in season two, where Picard meets Kirk again, or I, I don't know what the scenario would be, but if they were to come up with a with a, with something like Nepenthe in season two that involved Captain Kirk doing a cameo. Would he do it or would he not do it? I mean, and would you even like to see it or I should think, they just leave Kirk in the ribbon? And Well, I mean, I personally would like to leave Kirk in the ribbon, but I think he would do it if, uh, if the story was good. I think when he says, I don't do cameos, he means he doesn't want to just like show up and say, hey, I'm Kirk. And then, you know, that's, there's no substance to it. I think that he would do it. It was written right. Um, so, I, you know, they could maybe do that. I, I, I'm over it. Uh, I'm over Kirk. I love him. I love him for all the years that he helmed the Enterprise or captained the Enterprise and like just took the whole franchise basically surrounded around him, Spock and McCoy. Um, But I think the story's been told personally. 
I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Charles? Do you want to see more Captain Kirk? Yep. I yep. think we've gone to the point now that I don't think we're really cameoing, doing a whole lot of cameos with T and with uh, TOS. I think yeah. we're a lot more focused yeah. on a lot of TNGs, especially since so many of our actors from TOS show up on our on our remembrances. Mm-hmm. Not much of the original cast is still around. And some of that cast is having health issues. Yeah, I mean, the next generation is now the old generation. So it's yeah. the precursor to what we have now. We have third generation Star Trek now. Really, <laughs> if, if we're you, doing if flashbacks, to, if we're doing flashbacks mm-hmm. to old Star Trek, we're doing more of either remembrances towards TOS or we're looking more towards the TNG... DS9 Voyager era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if they want to really bring in fans with cameos, what they would do is they would do more crossovers and bring in like Voyager characters into Picard and that sort of thing. I, mean, I know they have seven, which is one amazing character, but I, I would, you know, people would freak out if they brought in Admiral Janeway. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I, I, I also think that we definitely are going to see a younger Kirk. I think a Lieutenant Kirk would be interesting because that's something we've never seen and we don't know anything about. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But William yeah. Shatner's Kirk, I think you're right. I think it's been played out and I really don't think mm-hmm. there's well, anything that he could add to the role, but Lieutenant Kirk and Lieutenant Uhura on, you know, on the mm-hmm. Potemkin uh, is something we That'd know nothing about. And I think fans would love it to see that. So listen, guys, we have to take our our very next commercial break. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. For the rest of you guys, we're not really going anywhere. I'm going to play for you guys right now the uh, uh, on September 26, 1987, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Catherine Farpoint premiered. This was the very first appearance of Patrick Stewart. As, you know, playing the famous role of Captain Picard. So sit back and enjoy it. Captain's log, stardate 41153.7. Our destination is planet Deneb 4, beyond which lies the great unexplored mass of the galaxy. My orders are to examine Farpoint, a starbase built there by the inhabitants of that world. Meanwhile, I am becoming better acquainted with my new command, this Galaxy-class USS Enterprise. I am still somewhat in awe of its size and complexity. As for my crew, we are short in several key positions, most notably a first officer, but I am informed that a highly experienced man, one Commander William Riker, will be waiting to join the ship at our Deneb 4 destination. And we're back, and that was Patrick Stewart's first appearance in the role that would make him famous as Captain Jean-Luc Picard. So welcome back, guys. Uh, We have a caller on the line. Let's see who we got here. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon, I'm calling you from Kentucky. Hi. Nice to hear your voice. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) You're just in time. 
You're just in time. Well, good. We're going to talk a little bit about cons. So there's another article that's yeah. been floating around. Uh, exclusive CBSL Access revised con prequel series, Star Trek SETI Alpha 5. We talked about this last year, but now it's popping back up again. Nicholas Myers was working on a limited Star Trek series that takes place before the Wrath of Khan movie. Myers' series would reportedly take place after the events of Star Trek, the original series episode, Space Seed, where Kirk drops Khan off, originally played by the late Ricardo Maltawan, and his crew on Steady Alpha 5 to start their own colony, but before the events of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Meyer revealed more details about his series, confirming that it's real. I was commissioned to write a three-hour, three-night event, and that's what I did. It's called SETI Alpha 5, and I don't know the current status. It's been up in the air. Partially, there was a lot of confusion between CBS, and there was big upheaval at CBS. And while they sort of didn't know who was in charge, they also didn't know what they were going to do with SETI Alpha 5. I'm not exactly sure what happened, I haven't heard from them in some time. It's very good. It's a terrific trilogy. I think one of the things that happened is they're not sure. <coughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, they're not sure that a trilogy is long enough to warrant the cost of doing it. Maybe it should be something longer or, I don't know, the details of their thinking because I haven't heard from them. Khan was first portrayed by Ricardo mm-hmm. Montalban in Space Seed episode of Star Trek, the original series. He also has been the main antagonist of Star Trek in the Darkness movie played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Khan is set to make his next appearance in his own solo series on Paramount Plus. And it looks like Viacom CBS has finally started looking for their next Khan. The studio is looking for a specific actor for the role, Dev Patel. Dev Patel is an English Mm. actor who made his debut as Anwar Kalal, Kalal, in the first two seasons of the British television teen drama Skins, which unfortunately I've never seen. His breakthrough came in 2008 with the leading role of Jamal Malik in Danny Boyle's drama Slumdog Millionaire. So what do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think man, awesome. Death Patel, is, he, he is something else, man. I, and finally, finally, we would actually have a con who is at least in comes from – uh, the right region of the world, you know, has the right ethnic background to be where, where Khan should actually be from rather than uh, Benedict Cumberbatch or even Ricardo Montalban, uh, you know. Uh, I, I just think that's fantastic. And I would love, I, I think the characters got room to grow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we actually talked recently about the the Khan comic, the Mirror Universe Khan comic, and while we were unable to kind of resolve it with Star Trek canon, it did introduce some interesting ideas about Khan's personality, him being a uh, more of a leader and less of a villain. You know, I feel like in Wrath of Khan, we only get to see uh, somebody who's kind of already been broken down, psychologically broken. You know, we don't get to see Khan in his prime. Um, we see a little bit of that with the Benedict Cumberbatch Khan. I, I have other issues with that personal con personally, but I think the con character has a lot of room to grow. And I think Dev Patel would just do a great job with it personally. Well, well I know I've mentioned a couple of times I read the three con books that I didn't realize were three of until I started the first one. Um, and they go mm-hmm. from the time he was born until his, until basically his wife dies 
on SETI Alpha, whatever planet they're mm. on for at that point. So it's, it's actually uh, really yeah. good, and they make Star Trek references. Whoever did it, and I meant I mean to look up the guy again, whoever did it did such a good job because if you the story's great even if you don't know all the Star Trek references, but if you do, it's excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, makes I mean, me very excited. So they don't have to on it. Mm-hmm. They, they touch on it in this article perfectly. The, the problem mm-hmm. was that Khan, uh, there was a big dispute over who owned Khan. Was it CBS television yeah. or was it Paramount? Because Khan originally was on TV, but then Khan was in the movie. So Paramount owned the movie Khan, but then CBS right. had the TV show Khan. And this particular Khan was not the TV Khan. He wasn't the movie Khan. So they were fighting over who had rights. But now that they've merged into one, as they say in this article, Paramount Plus, that's gone away. So now they can move ahead on the project, which is great. So do you guys think it's going to be like a short trek type of a thing? Is it going to be three individual one hour made for TV movies? Or do you think they're all, they're going to put it all together Mm -hmm. into one giant night? I bet they will smash it into one movie. Uh, I'm not sure if they might do three parts. We'd have to see, but I got one question. Jim always talks about facial hair. Question is with Khan, how much body, <laughs> how much chest hair are we gonna see? <laughs> he better have a goatee. Uh, how, 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 <laughs> is he gonna have a six pack or a twelve pack? We only get a top. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 true. <laughs> that is true. Oh, I think. I'd be interested to see how but this Khan looks. And also, yeah, I mean, I would bet. I would. Ju- I was just going to say, I would bet Charles, in terms of his look, my guess is that they're going to take this into the 21st century. They've already cast um, presumably somebody who has, a, you know, ethnic descent from that part of the world. So hopefully, they're actually going to play that up a little bit. You know, actually make it more authentic. Um, I think that could be really interesting. You know, the the actor. Um, Dev Patel, he's he's got a very he can have a very like serious look. Like I I think he could I just imagine him as like a con kind of standing there, you know, looking out over something that uh, he has to do or he has to accomplish or he has to conquer or whatever. And I I could see it. I just I think that actor would be really good in that role. And something else that we have to bear in mind is that Star Trek is being filmed in Toronto. CBS All Access mm-hmm. built a huge soundstage there, and the only show that's not filmed there is Picard. All their other shows are being filmed in Toronto, so they don't have the COVID stipulations that we have here in Hollywood. So they they can mm-hmm. already start filming and whatnot mm-hmm. where they can't in Hollywood. So maybe maybe they'll get in touch um, with uh, Nicholas Myers and say, look, we, we want to stretch this from three nights to five, you know, we want to make it a mini series because most of their shows are 10 episodes. So if they can mm-hmm. stretch this to five, it could be a mini series type of a deal. They might say, look, can we, can we pad this out and add a little bit? Can we add some more characterization in there and stretch it out into five? And then they could put it on in place of say a short tracks type of thing. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to it. 
I think it's going to be something. We know nothing about Khan or what happened on SETI Alpha 6 before the moon exploded. Because the one planet. At the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was six and it turned into five. But it. Right. Yeah. And of course, we'll get to see Marla. We'll get to see his his wife who died. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great story. And Nicholas Meyer. If you guys aren't familiar with him, has written some of the the best Star Treks in a lot of fans' opinion: Star Trek Two, Star Trek Four, Star Trek Six, and now SETI Alpha <laughs> Five. He's got a good track record. All right, really he does not even numbers. Huh? He does all the even ones. So, with that track record, I'll be interested. I can't to... see how this could be good. Yeah, and I will be interested really to can. see if they actually incorporate any of the Star Trek Ruling in Hell uh, comic that we remember, guys, when we reviewed that. Yeah. Uh, and it talk, and it's kind of like what happens with Khan while he's on City Alpha 5. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to know if they actually incorporate any of the The books cover that. The, I'm telling you, the books are read. They cover all of that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what they what they do. With this show, it's um, if I remember correctly, the article said they're supposed to start filming it in 2021. So we'll see how that works. COVID again might slow that down. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, the next thing I want to talk about, we kind of briefly talked about last week. I want to give you guys a little reminder. <laughs> Here's a soundbite from last week's episode of Lower Decks that we're going to talk about right now. Doing work in the repair bay. Well, good Dana, are you nuts? I said, who's the all-time biggest badass? Not who's a dude nobody's heard about. <laughs> uh, everyone knows Roga Dana. No, they don't. She totally outsmarted Picard, <laughs> and he has amazing hair. Well, what about Khan? Right? Khan was a genetically engineered supervillain. Dude was a space seed. Oh, oh, pause for a second. I want to talk about Khan in that thick, thick chest, but I gotta pee. Roga Dana, <laughs> get the f- out of my face. <laughs> Guys, you should get alert. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I I love that. So they brought up the question now, uh, on lower deck yeah. last week: mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. is the biggest okay. badass on Star Trek? Khan mm-hmm. or Dinar? I put that out now, to I, our fans on our Facebook yeah. page. Yeah. I was gonna say last I looked it up week, and I still I know who that is. Mistake. I confused him in thinking it was a great Okana. It wasn't great Okana. Roger Dagnar is the one who we find out is with is with Tasha's sister, half sister, oh. which we just celebrated her birthday. Oh, okay. But he was the terrorist that brought. Um, oh, we just had her in the birthday. They yeah. brought um, Tasha's sister. He was in the TNG episode, The Hunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys want to check? Ashara is Tasha's sister. Thank you, because I couldn't uh, figure out how to spell that. I couldn't look it up last week. Ashara, yeah. Ashara Yar. Yeah. Ashara Yar. That's the one where we see it's, where we see Ashara. Yeah, if you guys want to see the one how we... a bunch of a badass Rogadainar is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go and check out the TNG episode, The Hunted. And he was a pretty badass. I mean, he kicked Worf's butt. He outsmarted yeah. Data. I mean, he was he was top notch. But was he the biggest badass in Star Trek? Let's see what our fans on our Facebook page thought. Eric, why don't you start us out? 
Oh my gosh, there are so many opinions. Kevin Cherry says con hands down. Uh, oh, excuse me, I started the wrong one. Daniel Wright says, I mean, Roga outsmarted data. I doubt Khan could do that, so I'm going with Roga. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Jeffrey Tillman says Roga. Khan chewed the scenery better, <laughs> but Roga was uber competent. <laughs> I can't disagree with that. Darnell Smith says Khan. Tom Patrick says Khan. Roga's training only kicks in when he feels threatened, although he does have amazing skills. Uh, Mark Badger says, I'm sorry, but it's not even a valid question, Con. I have to tell you, there's some pretty good uh, arguments for Roga in that opening volley there. Uh, Charles, you've got the next set. Okay, Kevin Sherry says, Con, hands down. Adam Ryan said, Rogan is a lot of a biological advantages over Con. Andrew Sims says, Con by far. Patrick White and Jenny Wallace both say con. No doubt, of course. Jim, what are some of you what are some other some of your others say? Well, it sounds to me like Con is kicking butt so far, so let's see what, what we have mm-hmm. going on here. So uh, Crystal Blackmore <laughs> says Danar. Uh Sheena Henderson says Con. And uh, Sandy Holly says says uh what does she say? She Wait, 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 wait. She says this. I shall leave you as you left me. As you <laughs> My room for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. <laughs> And that's exactly how she spelled it out, too. So, uh, again, yeah, Chari says Roga Denar, but not by much. And we round it out with Jesse Stone, who says Khan. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're pretty much pretty much in Khan territory, but not by a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Three out of five people pick pick Khan over Roga. So why don't we talk about this for a couple? What do you guys think? What do you think, Charles? Would you go with Khan now? Let's. This is a tough question. What makes this question yeah, I was gonna say. is because are we talking Ruby about Khan. the Khan from Space Seed, or are we talking yeah. about the Wrath of Khan's Khan? Because they're two totally different characters. Totally different. But, so it's hard to. Yeah. But uh, so, what do you think, Charles? Yeah, I mean, I just. If you're you're kind of thinking the TOS era, it's Khan. When you get to TNG era, it's a little bit more difficult because there are some greats. Yes, we have Rog Dinar, but we've also got Q in there. We got the Borg in there. There were some seriously good enemies that Picard went after, had to go deal with, and so it's kind of hard to pick just one. Whereas you get to TOS and the main big villain because of the of the villain of the week was Khan or Harry Mud. <laughs> Not even the right. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> what 
about you, Eric? Yeah, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I in this one, I ha- I hate to say it, but I think ultimately I go with Rogadenar, and the reason is that I think if you were to put these two like in a boxing ring and just have them go after each other, I think Khan would probably win. But remember that Rogadenar has the ability to actually he, – he gets, like, special powers when he feels dangerous, right? So he can even do things like uh, mask his life signs so he, they can't be detected. Um, he's got a couple other really cool powers that he has. So I, I think I would go for him. I think that he was actually built and made to be a soldier. I mean, Khan was, too, in a lot of ways. He was built and made to be a, a leader, but when I think of Khan, I think mostly of his intellect. And when I think of Rogadenar, I think of his, like, physical ability. And so, I don't know. I'm going to go Rogadenar. What about you, Shannon? What do you think? Well, I'm going to have to go back and watch the episode again, the the Rogadenar one. But otherwise, I'd go with Khan just because I said I enjoyed that series so much. It talked about how Khan developed. and He was mm-hmm. actually bred to be a leader. Because the first time we see Khan in the books, he's like five or six, and he's completely composed, and he is a leader. That's just who he is. That's the way his mother bred him, and that's what he became. And he couldn't help himself. Yeah, he's much scarier because you know he because that's what he he's genetically predisposed to be in charge. And if that doesn't work, he actually blew up the the world. He led to the eugenics war because of that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I. You know, I think that as far as, and this is where, this is something that a lot of, I've noticed with all the polls that we run and all the different questions we ask, a lot of people have difficulty separating, well, The Wrath of Khan is my favorite movie and I love it, so Khan's got to be the winner. But let's Mm -hmm. look at the character and not at the awesome movie that the characters win, because I agree, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan is a phenomenal movie. And it blows the doors off of the TNG episode, The Hunted. That's hands down, absolutely true. But But I want to look at the characters. Right. I want to look at the characters and not at the movie versus the TV show. I think that Khan has a genetic weakness that, that, that that is shown to us in great detail, and that is that he's overambitious. And that's his downfall. And, you know, that's why he loses the Enterprise to, to, to Kirk because he puts the captain in the chamber while the rest of the crew is watching and they, they become unified against him. And he, he doesn't take that into account because him, that's a foreign, he doesn't understand that. He doesn't understand it until it's too late. And I think that, okay. that that genetic predisposition for being perfect is his downfall. And I think that Roga Denar would be able to play off of that weakness and defeat Khan. Because Roga Denar doesn't have any of those, any of that, of that genetic um, manipulating that Khan did. And I think Roga Denar would be able to see that and would play, play it against him, just like Kirk did, and defeat him. So I would, I would go with Roga Denar. But again, before we get flooded with hate mail and stuff, I, the Wrath of Khan is a fun, is just, I love the Wrath of Khan, especially the director's cut on Blu-ray. Okay. It's outstanding. But I, I do okay. think that Roga Denar would have an advantage. Can I say one thing, too? Well, uh-huh. I, purposely, I purposely avoided all of the, because this was, you know, when you could still avoid things online. You know, when the second movie came out, the second of the new movies came out, I purposely avoided all the spoilers, everything. I wouldn't look at anything. I didn't see any commercials. 
And so I went to the premiere, well, the premiere here, not like the premiere premiere, like when they released it like a day early to buy tickets early. And I was so excited when I found out the villain was Khan because I had purposely avoided all spoilers and I was so excited. And I would not have been so excited if I had known that it was going to be Khan the entire time. Oh, mm-hmm. you're talking in the darkness. Dan and I, yeah. I agree with mm-hmm. you completely. I, I went in not knowing who the new villain was. I said, right. I just have a feeling this is Khan. At the beginning, we yeah. didn't see him being Khan. It was progressive in the movie that we found out. Like, oh, yeah. it is Khan. But I went with a bunch of my friends, and one of the girl that sat between me and one of my other friends, she that was her first Star Trek movie, and now she's a big fan. But my friend that's on the other side of her, we both of them, we realized it was kind of like, it's Khan! It's a movie theater. Not out loud, but to each other. You know, it's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> because it was just, it was awesome. So I, I still try to avoid spoilers as much as possible because that was just such a fun moment. Because he's my favorite villain. Yeah. He just is because of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I know <laughs> my daughter, when that movie came out, Jamie said, Dad, I want to go see the new Star Trek movie with you. And I was like, what? What? Well, she was like, what? <laughs> 16 at the time, I think. And um, I was like, you want to go see a Star Trek movie with the old man? And she says, yeah, and my friend wants to go. I took my I took my daughter and her friend yeah. to see Star Trek, and they didn't they didn't know that there was a Wrath of Khan movie that came out before they were born, and they definitely didn't know that there was a TV episode called Space Seed. So I felt like Yoda, the old sage in the lobby, and like <laughs> followers, <laughs> spreading the word. Let me of tell Star you about that day. <laughs> it was funny. I'm in the bathroom, and some guy I'm talking, some guys talking to me. Really? There's another movie? Uh, yeah, there's another movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it yeah, was funny. Grew I up felt with like Star Trek because of me. Stage. Yeah, but they. <laughs> yeah, I told you all before when my kids schooled me on Star Trek one time. I'm like, really? Really? Like, you know Star Trek? <laughs> I <Really>? know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I was it's so funny, proud. I think that's the good thing about about them making the new movies with the JJ universe is it got a lot of people like my daughter and her friends and TJ mm-hmm. into Star Trek that otherwise yeah. wouldn't be. And whether you like those right. movies or don't like those movies, they serve a purpose and they get people in the seats uh-huh. and get people interested in Star Trek. And once they once you suck them in, they're trapped. <laughs> like, <can't laughs> <You know? laughs> like a Venus fly trap, you know you. You suck well, them in. Every and that's track it. is different, you, you which is great. Yeah. And and that's the strength of Star Trek. I was on another uh, board on Facebook saying that very same thing because people were complaining about Lower Decks, and I said, you know what? Oh, you don't please. like Lower Decks? That's great. What? But so what about Discovery? What about Picard? What about TNG? What about mm-hmm. TOS? What about Voyager? What about Strange New Worlds? What about Section Thirty One? There's so much Star Trek out there. There's something for everybody. You don't have to like it all. You don't have to hate it all. Just give it a chance. <laughs> so, listen, guys, we're going to take uh, another quick commercial break here for oh, our no. listeners of Odyssey Radio. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. So you don't want to touch the dial. Don't go away. Don't go anywhere because things are going to get real, real fast. And, and, and we've been talking about con. We've been talking about movies. Well, guess what? We're going to really dive in real deep after this very quick commercial break. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
Trek, and of course, that was the theme song from Star Trek Lower Deck. I played that to get you guys in the mood, get you pumped for what we're about to talk about. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. This is our final segment of the night, which is our Star Trek Lower Deck segment. So we're going to talk about Episode 9, Crisis Point, which just aired uh, tonight, actually. And here's the trailer for that, in case you guys didn't see it. Maybe there it is. Hey, guys, do you mind if I take over the deck? Oh, you simulated the crew? Yeah, they'll respond exactly the way they would in real life. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Don't talk to me! I'm pissed off! Amazing! What was that? Hey, hey, what are you doing? What did you do to my program? It made it into an awesome movie! What, you wrote out a whole script in two seconds? I just, like, hit the act rate, couple set pieces. I am Vindicta! Vengeance personified! Oh, boy, somebody's really laying it on thick. Okay, Star Trek Lower Decks, Crisis Point. This is where um, Mariner takes control of the holodeck and steals Baumler's program and turns it into something else. So I got quite a few sound bites to play from this particular episode. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't put them in order. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right, so... um, uh, Block Talk Radio put them in alphabetical order. Uh, go figure. So we're not okay. going to be talking about them in the order that they show up in the episode. Uh, spoiler alert. Okay, we're going <laughs> down the spoiler wormhole here, guys. We are going to be spoiling this episode. So no hate mail. <laughs> I, you have been warned. So the first clip that I want to play for you guys that I want to talk about is, uh, I call it the Ripley clip. And here it is. <laughs> Get off my mom, you bitch. Spoiler, <laughs> oh, you simulated me in here too? Not cool, man. I got private stuff in those logs. Emergency transport on signal now. Second, no. Oh, great. Well, now it's just us. Yeah, thanks for ruining the awesome captain murder this was all building to. We were supposed to fight on a rickety metal catwalk. Oh, let me make it up to you. Double punch. <laughs> Double block. Whoa, how did you? I know all your moves and everything about you. <laughs> I know you dressed up like Toby Targ every Halloween, even when you were too old. <laughs> Take that back! The warp core's lame! You only break rules because you know that's what everyone expects you to do. If you really were a badass, you'd do the hard thing and just be a good officer. They're not casting you as a villain. You are. All right, Shannon. So we'll let you start off. What, what, what did you think about about that clip? Well, at first I didn't get the Ripley. Yeah, at first I didn't get the Ripley reference until you because that's the second movie, right, or third movie of Aliens. But I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. thank you because I'm like, yeah. Um, but but that I'm like, oh, I totally get that. That's really funny. That's probably why it made me laugh so hard. (laughs) Yeah, as soon as I saw it, even when our parents drive us nuts. Yeah. No, yeah. even when our parents drive us nuts, we still protect them. We would totally put ourselves between our parents and somebody else. Yeah. 
Yeah. I should send the clip to my mom. It's, it, it's a great okay. clip, and it, it it tells you a lot about the Mariner. The evil character, the the, the the evil character is the real Mariner. The character right. that's defending her mother is the holodeck character that Boimler wrote based on her algorithms from her personal logs. So you have the real right. the real Mariner facing off against the pseudo real Mariner, who actually is more <laughs> the real Mariner than the real Mariner is the real Mariner. <laughs> Because she knows herself. Yeah. Because she knows herself. Yeah. So uh, how about wow. you? Wow. Maybe I should write blogs that? like that. <laughs> I think Mariner. I thought that Mariner versus Mariner fight was good. I think it really. It was. It's an interesting way of doing character development. Because we got an interesting perspective of the character through both characters. Mm-hmm. I think it really was interesting, especially since the holodeck mariner is one to risk her life to protect his, protect her crew. And I think she realized that maybe she is still a very dependable officer, even if she wants to be a lower deck. But I think it's great character development. I, I agree completely, Charles. Totally. <laughs> And, and Eric, you get to bring up the caboose on this one. Yeah, this is a great clip. I you remember that the whole reason that she gets involved in this situation is that she is sent to therapy, right, <laughs> by the captain. So she's she is sent to therapy, and it turns out that for her, therapy is kind of working through this this whole scenario and it, and she thinks that she wants to kind of go after her mom because she's got all this kind of teenage angst and anger, even though she's not really a teenager anymore. Um, and so I love the insight into who the real Mariner is versus who the masked Mariner is. You know, the real one oh. is the holodeck one that we really see from her, from her logs. And the one that that is in the real world, so to speak, is the Mariner that wears her mask all of the time and is not able to really express herself the way she wants to for whatever reason. So I just thought that was brilliant. And the fact that they actually made it into a physical fight between the two characters and that in the end, it kind of like, it, it helps her, right? It sort of like sets her straight. Yeah gets her psyche mm-hmm. aligned and all of a sudden she's like, no, my mom is the most important person to me. And so I'm going to stop being such a jerk to her. <laughs> okay. So love you know, to be fair, I don't go to therapy. I go to, I shoot and I box. That's my therapy. So that actually makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely. And everybody's got their own ways of doing it. You know, some people want to talk about it. Some people want to just like move it out of themselves, whatever your jam is. I do think it's important that everybody has their way to kind of work that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if you guys caught this. I sure you did. You're Star Trek fans, but I'm the old one. So, um, so did you catch? Did you catch the rickety old bridge and getting thrown off the rickety old bridge reference to yes. Star Trek Generations? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How? Um, well, tell me yeah, exactly what I'm like. Wait to have your reference. Yeah, it was right there, right yeah. in front of us. So, as I said, movie is the key. Now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. some of these clips are more visual than they are, uh, like, or, you know, uh, wait, like audio. Like the lens flares? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like so the Kelvin so lens flares, yeah. <laughs> the Kelvin lens flares, yeah. So this yeah. next clip, 
um, I have decided to call this next clip Star Trek Six, and I think you'll know why. Marshaled them right out of Starfleet. <laughs> I was being crazy. Thank goodness nobody ever found out. Computer in program. <laughs> hey, nerd. We're going to go stare at the warp core. You wanted to, whoa, you okay? Yeah. All right, whatever. Hey, good luck with the interview. You're going to do great. <laughs> so, you're interested in the advanced diplomacy workshop. Where do you see yourself negotiating peace in five years? I, uh, Just take a breath and say the first thing that comes to mind. Mariner. Yeah. Mariner what? Uh, is hot? Excuse me? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> She's not hot. She's nasty. <laughs> Ensign Boimler didn't bother to prepare for an interview. Terrible. Yeah, so this one is tough to catch it uh, when you're just listening to the audio, but the uh, the, the clip basically mm-hmm. goes from Star Trek Three because we see we see her land in a photon tube and come back to life like Spock did in Star Trek Three, and then when the credits roll, they roll with their signatures across the screen like the way Star Trek Six ended, which had me falling off the couch. I thought, I'm like, oh, my God, this is, wow. I was like, they're just, and and, and the music. Uh, I don't know why they didn't use the music from Star Trek Six. They didn't use music from any other Star Trek in this one, which was strange because there was plenty of opportunities to do it. But they basically used the Lower Decks song, but just kind of changed the pace of it a little bit. So it sounded Star Trek Sixy. But it actually wasn't the Star Trek VI suite that plays when William well, Shatner and Leonard Nimoy signed the screen. So, but I love that yeah. scene. I thought it was great. And uh, Charles, why don't you start off with that? Could we, could we call this? Could we call this episode an homage to COS? COS movies. Well, yeah, I, I, would say so. I would say it's an homage to a lot of different things. Well, it's a, we got Vengeance, which I think is a Khan-style character. And we still got that. We still got one more scene to me that I told Eric, and Eric fully agrees. Like, oh, that's a dedication to motion picture. We're not talking about that scene yet. <laughs> I didn't say the scene. I just said we're. I just said there's an homage to many movies. No spoilers of the but, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't spoil anything. But definitely, I think there's, they're doing a great job of doing a lot of homage to Star Trek itself. And I think we're getting a lot of great Easter eggs. 
Oh yeah, without a doubt. And I oh, think yeah. it. I think it. I think it takes us just talking about to realize. Oh, I didn't think about that Easter egg. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's. I really like the Easter eggs. They're they're doing great Easter eggs with it. What do you think, Eric? I only had a chance. I only watched it once. I got to go back and watch it again because I'm sure I missed some stuff. But yeah, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I think from this scene, probably my favorite Easter egg, which you probably wouldn't catch, Jim, because you haven't seen very much Voyager, is that the whole Da Vinci character is amazing because he was actually a trusted advisor of Catherine Janeway on the USS Voyager, and he he was actually played by John Reese davis and he looked exactly like the guy from Lower Decks, like the same hat, the same beard, the same costume, and everything. They just took that character right from Voyager and plunked him right into this show, which I just thought was fantastic. And yeah, and I love the thing at the end here uh, that you sort of hear where, yeah, you see the thing that looks like a photon torpedo tube. It's obviously the Star Trek, end of Star Trek II reference, but then she she pops up and then (laughs) she shoots her and is like, not on my watch. I just, oh my (laughs) God, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) So that was my takeaway from the scene. I really loved that. But the signatures at the end were really special. And I was, it's funny because I watched this show now with my daughter and I, I have to explain these moments to her every once in a while. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That was the end of Star Trek VI. Or, oh, that's so cool. That was the opening scene of this and that. And, and uh, she's like, yeah, whatever, Dad. This show's still good. <laughs> she doesn't get any of the references. But she... <laughs> uh, and Shannon, you get the caboose this time. Okay. I just, like I said, I missed that Da Vinci thing. I didn't think about that because Da Vinci's been in everything. To me, it's a Doctor Who reference as much as anything else. Um, mm, sure. But, yeah, but yeah. Uh, the, the photon torpedo thing, which I know you can't see when we're listening to it, but I'm like, that was my favorite part, I think, of the episode, actually. Because <laughs> it was just so funny because it also looks like a vampire because she, like, rose out of the crypt. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. My favorite part was actually when her cape got caught. When she was getting off the oh. her, like her shuttle, oh, to me I heard no capes from Incredibles in my head. Yeah, no cape for you. That was we funny. don't do capes. Like, yeah, that that was my favorite part. But the Da Vinci oh. thing was my second favorite one. She looked like a vampire rising out of a crypt, and he's like, nope, and shoots her down. It's like, okay. Yep. That that was very really good. <laughs> no so uh, another clip. Of course, <laughs> I, you know I said movies, and we've been sticking with movies. I think Charles, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of homages to Star Trek movies, and this next clip that I'm going to play for you guys is definitely no exception to that. I have called this clip on obvious reasons, so give give it a quick listen. Graham Butt Kisser, only you would... Wait, this is a perfect simulation? <laughs> what was that? Hey, hey, what are you doing? Interior wickety metal catwalk night. Mariner, you can't write that about the captain. Why waste this on some dumb interview prep? I'm putting in my own parameters. If Freeman sees this, you'll get court-martialed. What does she ever do to you? Say I need therapy? Okay, I'll go to therapy. Mariner, don't touch my code! Don't touch my... Therapy! What the hell? What did you do to my program? I made it into an awesome movie! I'm gonna work some shit out. <laughs> oh, talking about a movie? What, you wrote out a whole script in two seconds? I just like hit the act, Greg. Double set pieces. Set pieces? The computer's filling in the rest. I mean, parts of the crew and all of us. It's gonna be great. I don't want to do a movie. That's okay. You were kind of a zon, to be honest. You probably weren't gonna make the final 
Who's son? Exactly. Oh, I've always wanted to be in a movie. Can I be the voice of the ship? Hannah, I got the perfect part for you. You're going to love it. Guys, this is an important work tool. Not a fun thing to have a good Wait a minute, put down. Come on, the credits. Ah, I don't want this. I just want to prep. Well, tough. You're just going to have to wait till it's over. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go get in the costume. Okie dokie. Woo! I'm not getting in anything. Mariner, I want these credits gone now. Hmm. All right. So, first of all, <laughs> I called it con because if you paid attention, when the when the it first started, it was the Rathacon music and it changed to lower decks. It, they used the opening credits from the Rathacon, and I love the way the characters are standing. They're ducking because the credits are going to hit mm-hmm. them. In fact, if I remember correctly, a couple of the credits do hit Boimler as he's standing there. Yeah, and I just love the way they put the characters from a TV show into a movie based on the characters that we're watching on the TV. It was like a movie within a movie. I love that. The way they, the way they did that, the way they broke that fourth wall with that. And that particular scene uh, was the first one that, that gets you into the movie motif that we experience through this entire episode. And Shannon, we're going to let the ladies lead off with this one. So what did you think about the way the episode, and that by the way, is the opening credits of the episode. Too, by the way. What did you think yes. about that? Now, well, the only thing is they made a reference in there, which I didn't get when she was doing it, like messing with his code, so I didn't catch that one. And I watched it twice. And I still don't know what that reference is. But I found it very funny because they had to keep ducking below the credits. Which I just found the funniest yeah, I love part. That. Well, that was, yeah, it was just really funny because they even told him to duck and he didn't and he get smacked in the head. Poor Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Boimler. <laughs> How about you, Charles? I love the TNG style credits. They're definitely TNG style. And just bringing the characters up as themselves. It's like, okay, oh, we're going to get a show within a show. So very Shakespearean, so perfect. It's like, I thought that, that that's a very creative way of doing it. And we've Instead of having an A and B story, let's just take the story straight through A and then have little pieces throughout the whole thing. I think that was a great way to put an episode together. And this is a perfect style for a show like Lower Decks to do that. Agreed. What do you think, Jim? I, I, I loved it uh, all the way around. I love the music. I love the way they had the characters interacting in a Star Trek movie on a Star Trek TV show. I thought that was great, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, Eric, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'll enjoy it. Uh, I'll agree with uh, Charles. The Shakespeareanness of setting the, the movie within the TV show I thought was awesome. I, the credits also kind of reminded me of, um, do you remember the opening credits to the original Superman movie? And how they kind of like fly across the screen like that, and that yeah. sort of 3D effect. That was what, it, like, it definitely the lettering was TNG, but the way they sort of flew across the screen made me think of that old Superman movie too. So very uh, clever. I love the fourth wall break yeah. and how they're hitting Boimler in the head as they're going. That that kind of stuff honestly is my favorite. That's why Squirrel Girl is my favorite uh, 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 comic book because it's constant fourth wall breaking. I love that stuff. And Deadpool too. <laughs> and then, well, 
the next clip that I'm going to play for you guys is a completely, I hope you can catch it with an audio only. And when I tell you the title of it, you're going to know why. I decided to entitle this clip, Star Trek, the motion picture, Flyby. Wasn't our ship. Yeah. <gasps> what a mystery. Uh, whose boy is this? Ensign Brad Boimler, sir. Here to learn. This imposter. You want the Cerritos to investigate? Get in, get me intel, then get out. And Freeman, stick to the plan this time. If this was actually happening, they'd send the Enterprise. But, you know, artistic license. Luckily, the Cerritos just went through some upgrades. We should be more than suitable for the task. The Cerritos is ready to launch whenever you are. Oh, there she is. I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me? Uh, uh, the Cerritos is a handsome lady. You're damn right about that, Boiler. <gasps> Call the ship, <laughs> handsome. Yeah, Eric, you want to start off with this one? <laughs> oh, wow, what a special, special scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the scene, of course, that recalls uh, the scene in Star Trek The Motion Picture, where uh, Kirk is aboard the shuttle and he's flying to see the Enterprise refits, or excuse me, well, not the refit technically, but the, the movie version of the ship uh, for the first time. And uh, out of a 27-minute episode, they took a full 60 seconds to enjoy this scene, which I think was probably the greatest homage they could have given a scene like this because a lot of people think, you know, that opening scene might be, or that, that scene where they go to the, the ship might be a little long, might be a little arduous. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's magical, and I love the tempo of that movie. It really works for me. So they, they've homaged that, but then they've also, in the, at the same time, homaged the um, Star Trek Beyond uh, JJ-verse construction of the Enterprise A scene, where they're kind of spinning around in circles as they build the ship in in fast time. So I love that they melded those two things together in this scene and just made, I think, a really well-paced, you know, special scene for anybody who's a Star Trek fan. Yeah. How about you, Charles? I look at that. You look at the music. And that sounds like a slightly different instrumental version of the same song they played in, in the motion picture. But I got that same feeling of just floating in air, just in awe of a ship. Uh, look at the Cerritos, just looking at the Cerritos and all the work that's been done to it in such a 
great, great ship. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly how you felt traveling around in motion picture. Oh, we got to see what a great ship the Enterprise is. And as Eric said, some people may kind of iffy on that scene. I love that scene in motion picture. It is just such an homage to the Enterprise. And this one was an homage to Cerrito. And I think they just did well, a great uh, job of really saying, like, hey, let's see it. What do you think, Tim? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that scene in the motion picture. And I love the scene the way they do it here. And, and particularly when Boimler says, well, normally they would send the Enterprise. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That's too funny. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, what do you think? Well, I'm right there with you because, like I said, and normally in a normal time, which we're not in, I don't know if I would enjoy this show as much as I do because Trek to me is not funny like this is, but it's just hysterical and it, you know, it lets you get away from everything else at this right now. So that was really funny mm-hmm. because, like I said, you can enjoy the show even if you've not seen all the other Star Treks, but if you have, it just gives you all the extra things to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, actually, I the sitting around completely. thing was. I didn't like that part. I had to stop watching that part by listening to the music. The music. <laughs> I, I've yeah. got one more clip to play for you guys here. I called it Tacos. <laughs> Warrior henchman. Come on, come on, let's go torture the cat doctor. Like, really torture the hell out of her. Her name is Dr. Tana. You're way too into this. This is messed up. It's a holodeck. It's not real. What is with you today? This is not healthy. Can we stop the movie? No. No, I'm fine. This is feeling good. Come on, let me just take down the captain and then we can grab tacos. I don't want to watch you phaser the captain. Phaser? <laughs> oh, it's going to be way worse than that. I am out of here. Arch! Hey, come on! This isn't you. It is who? Eric, you want to start us off? Oh, man. That, that whole scene right there is pretty cool. The, we missed just a little bit at the beginning there. What leads into this is Shaq's laying down some fire from his cannon, talking about how he's sending people back to the paw raids in hell. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just hilarious. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I I really like um, how this all kind of resolves here at the end, the Borg head blowing up all of the, I don't know. It, it just feels like they've really brought together uh, the whole episode with this scene here, and it's so action-packed, and yet... Um, you know, I, I actually, if I were to title this scene something else, I would have called it Westworld because there was one point during the scene where I was like, holy crap, they're just killing a lot of people. And you're thinking about how Mariner's just blowing people away. And, and it's kind of like Westworld, you know, where you, you, 
there's this assumption that the people that you're harming don't matter because they're part of the, in this case, the holodeck. And, you know, there is a psychological impact of that. Uh, you, some people may think, well, if I go into the holodeck and I kind of work out my issues there, then I don't have to work them out in real life, um, which may be true. And it may also be true that the holodeck allows you to do the things that you would never do in real life. And maybe they're things that you shouldn't do in real life. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. It was kind of the moment in the episode where Tendi, you know, she puts her foot down and she says, no, you're, this is messed up. You shouldn't be doing this. And uh, in some ways it, it helps to kind of bring Mariner back around. So I, I really like to see it starts so hilariously with that whole Shaxx issue and then the Borg head blowing up and then it kind of becomes a really meaningful scene at the end. So one of my favorites of the whole episode. How about you, Shannon? Um, I love the Paul Wraith reference. And then I'm sitting there going, wait, <laughs> yeah. is there a Borg crewman? Because where'd he come in? Because I thought it was <laughs> actually crewman. Where did they come from? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, we don't have a Borg crewman on here. Where did that come from? But I did like the designation explosive or whatever. That was very funny. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Charles, you're next. Well, I thought it's interesting is she suddenly just pulled out of her bag of tricks. She pulled out of the sword can. It's like, okay, shield on. And it creates a full, a full shield. And then it's like, okay, let's mm-hmm. pop it over there. It's like, okay, explode. Like, okay, wait, what? Ah, okay. All right, that's funny. I think it was just it was an interesting way of dealing with it. It's like, yeah, we are kind of doing, I haven't seen it, but I gather the reference for Westworld. It's like, yeah, that does sound like that kind of scene. And she kind of does what she wants because it is a holiday. But then it's how she reacts to people, too. Mm-hmm. So we definitely get, get an interesting view of Mariner and Tindy in, in, in that scene. But I like it. It's like, oh, it's like, okay, I'm done. Bye. Mm-hmm. Okay, leave. Yeah. Everybody else is sitting there going away, finishing the episode. Matt, and he's like, I'm done. It's Charles, on a score, on a, on a scale of one to ten, what would you rate this episode? Tough question. Yeah, um... They still did a good job with this one as they have for me with the rest of the series. I'm going to keep it up there around 8, 8.35. 8.35. Yeah, I'll, I'll go a little higher. I'll go 8.75. I really dug all the references and the way they kind of mixed multiple genres of Star Trek together in their references. I thought that was really cool. And it just it kept me laughing. So 8.75. Shannon, how about you? Okay, now you know I've given some of the episodes kind of low scores, okay? I'm going to go with nine because I actually watched it back-to-back right before I came on here because it was so funny. Nice. Wow, I've only seen it. You wanted to watch it again. Um, Yeah, I I got to watch it again. I'll watch it again when we get off. But I got to tell you guys, last week's episode was, in my opinion, the best. This one didn't come, for Mm -hmm. me, didn't come close to that one, but it was good. And I think I'm right up there with you guys, 8.53, I think. Maybe 8.55, right up there. Not Ooh. not as good as last week, Don't push but, it. but up there. 
I, I got to watch it again, though. Maybe maybe I'll like it better if I can get a chance to watch it again. But I had so much going on after work today. I just didn't get a chance. I only got a chance to watch it once and whip some audio. So I didn't get a chance to watch it a second time. So I'm sli- I'm old and decrepit. You know, I'm not right. Oh, please, stop it. And I, I, and I can't see. I'm <laughs> blind and I can't hear. And, you know, you know, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, when 900-year-olds you reach, half as good you look, you will be. But at any rate, <laughs> uh, it's time to say goodnight to everybody, believe it or not. Another two hours has flown right by. No. So, um, yeah, before we leave, though, Next week, we're going to be talking about the season finale of Lower Decks. Just to wet your wits a little bit, here's the preview. I found out about your secret. Captain Freeman is your mom. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Does Captain Mommy give you sweet little Captain Kitty? Oh, <laughs> play this new button. Optimistic mode. This is going to be great. There she is, the little robot exocom. I analyzed all Federation languages and calculated a mathematically perfect name. What is it? Peanut Hamper! I love it! Exocomps next week. Interesting. Already we're getting references. (laughs) So anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, we got to say goodnight. So Mm -hmm. I want to start off by saying thank you to Shannon for calling us and hanging out with us and truck talking tonight. Thank you very much, Shannon. Always. And, of course, I want to say thank you to Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us as well. Thank you, Charles. Oh, talking trucks always fun. Can't wait for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to say thank you to Eric as well. Thank you, Eric. You bet. Always a blast, guys. Thanks a bunch. And as, as Charles just hinted at, we have a special book nook on Saturday. We've never done a Saturday show until now. Um, Saturday at 2 o'clock. Um, Eastern Standard Time, we're going to have Una McCormick on, and we're going to be talking about The Weight of the Stars, the Discovery Tilly book, and I have a feeling we're going to talk a little bit about the Picard book as well, guys, maybe? Um, so I think we will. You guys want to tune in on Saturday afternoon for that one. So uh, we don't do shows on mm-hmm. Saturday, so it'll be interesting. So you guys want to definitely check that out. You want to tune in on Sunday for Stunt Treks with myself and the one and only Leslie Hoffman. We'll be chatting for an hour. I don't know what about, but it's always interesting, so you guys can check that out as well. I want to say thank you to everybody around the globe for listening. We couldn't do the show without you guys. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. So, um, yeah, that's everything I had to cover for tonight. I want to say thank you to everybody. Thank you to all my awesome co-hosts. And I want everybody to stay safe and be good to each other. Good night, everybody. Good night, all frequencies. Hey. Hailing frequencies are closed. Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.